Welcome back to the Football Outsiders Fantasy Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Spratt, a writer for FootballOutsiders.com. Today, like I'm going to do every Friday, I'm going to take you through my favorite plays in DFS this week, looking at prices in DraftKings and FanDuel, comparing them to our weekly projections, and coming up with the best values. If you're interested in seeing start and sit recommendations for traditional leagues, check out my article up on FootballOutsiders.com and just the weekly projections that we have for every player in general. But let's get this started with some of my favorite value plays in DFS this week. That's going to start for me with Ronald Jones of the Buccaneers. Uh, on DraftKings, I have him as a $2,200 surplus at $5,200 at FanDuel, $2,000 uh, surplus at $5,900 price. He's actually my number one value in both formats this week. He wasn't super efficient last week against the Saints, but he outtouched Leonard Fournette 19 to 6, and that was really the main thing that I wanted to see. Bruce Arians indicated that he was going to be the sort of workhorse back for the team in the short term, at least, and he was that in week one. And that's really good coming into this week two matchup against the Panthers. The Saints matchup isn't very runner friendly, but the, the Panthers definitely is. I wasn't sure that was going to be the case because. Last year, they had a 15.9% run defense DVOA. It was the second worst in the history of this stat. But they made a lot of personnel changes on defense over the offseason, including drafting Derrick Brown. But week one was really more of the same. Josh Jacobs ran for 93 yards and three touchdowns against them. And I'm estimating that they improved yards per carry for running backs by 25% and touchdowns per carry by 132%. Both of those are the most in football. So it, it really makes Jones a clear value this week. Expect Tampa to bounce back in general, and Jones could score one or two touchdowns pretty easily. Definitely ride him this week in fantasy. Uh, but otherwise, there's not really a ton of value to glean from the rest of the Tampa Bay's offense. If I was going to pick another player, I would pick Scotty Miller. I have him as a mild surplus value, $300 surplus at $4,100 in DraftKings, just $100 surplus at $5,200 in FanDuel. The key here is that he played 61% of the offensive snaps, even though both Chris Godwin and Mike Evans were over 90%. So he played more than O.J. Howard, the second tight end, at 53%. And that's really not that surprising. Arians has a personal history of relying more on wide receivers than tight ends. His 19.6% tight end target share last season was his highest ever as a coach, um, and that was just the 16th highest in football for the season. So while those tight ends may have some big days just because you know they're very talented players and they don't need a lot of work to, to be effective, I think Miller is probably going to be the more consistent option for you in fantasy. And then the real key here, is too, is just that Mike Evans is still limited in practice with his hamstring injury, and Chris Godman is actually in concussion protocol. So they're both probably going to end up being questionable this week, and if either one misses, that would then shoot Miller's workload up to probably more than 90% of the offensive snaps, and suddenly he would become a great value. Uh, but if, if everybody plays, I would probably just avoid Brady, Gronk, Howard, Evans, and Godwin. You know, playing the Panthers, just expect the Bucks to rely a little bit more heavily on the run than they typically would this week. Shifting gears out west, uh, another value that I like a lot, Kyler Murray, uh, quarterback for the Arizona Cardinals. I have him as a $900 surplus in DraftKings and a $400 surplus in FanDuel. So the big concern here is that Washington football team's defense looked amazing in week one. They actually led all teams with a negative 69.4% defensive DVOA. That's actually probably more than double pretty much anyone else. Um, but they had eight sacks, which kind of drove the value there. Not surprising. They drafted Chase Young. Their defensive line is incredible, and they could have a 49ers type of defensive jump this season. But I still think the eight sacks are probably a little bit of column A and a little bit of column B, where column B was the Eagles' offensive line injuries. 
They were missing Brandon Brooks and Lane Johnson, who have six Pro Bowls together over the last three seasons. They were also missing Andre Dillard, a first-round pick from two years ago, who was supposed to take over at left tackle for Jason Peters. So I expect Murray and the Cardinals to have a little bit better pass protection than Wentz enjoyed for the Eagles last week. And then importantly, Murray can just kind of run around if things collapse on him, and that's really good for his fantasy value. That's kind of what he did last week. The 49ers are a team that cuts passing yards per attempt um, and increases passing touch or interceptions per attempt. They're both top 10 in football in those respects. But Murray just ran for 91 yards and a touchdown against them. And so that could be a factor here um, against the Washington football team. But meanwhile, Murray is actually playing at home this week. Um, and then traditionally, while the uh, football team has been a, a booster of some of those big plays like interceptions and, and passing fumbles forced, they've also been pretty friendly for passing yards per attempt and passing touchdowns per attempt, increasing them by 5% and 46% um, over the last year or so. So I, th- I think that Murray actually has a pretty decent value there. And then more even than him. Number one receiver, DeAndre Hopkins. I love his value in particular in DraftKings this week. $1,700 surplus at just $7,700 salary versus just $100 surplus in FanDuel. Uh, Hopkins week one, 14 receptions were actually a career high for him. So for me, that erased any concerns I had about a more distributed workload with his new team than he had back in Houston. And for Washington, cornerback is probably the relative weakness of their defense. They're starting Ronald Darby and Kendall Fuller out there, capable players, but not the star-level talent that they have on the defensive line. And meanwhile, the Washington football team improves receiving yards per target and receiving touchdowns per target by 7% for number one wide receivers. So I think that could be kind of a nice boost for him. And even if you want to do a stack play here, Christian Kirk may not be a terrible play. Only one catch in week one, but had a lot more targets than that. And Washington improves for wide receiver twos, completion percentage by 20%, yards per target by 7%, and touchdowns per target by 35%. All of those are top 10 uh, in football. So probably a good matchup for Kirk there too. Uh, Moving on, we got Chris Herndon tied in for the New York Jets. Really like him in particular in DraftKings this week where he's only $3,400. I have him as a $1,500 surplus, but also a $500 surplus in FanDuel. I think people are sleeping on Herndon a little bit. He didn't do much in week one, just six catches for 37 yards, no touchdowns against the the Bills. But that was actually a 21.2% target share with his seven targets, which actually would have been top six at the position over the full course in the 2019 season. So... He looked healthy. He was showing the workload that you would expect from an elite tight end one. And then obviously the talent, at least as a rookie, was definitely there. He had 9.0 yards per target as a rookie, which is actually top 10 among rookie tight ends over the last 15 years. And the list of players on that list with him, it's just the who's who of the best fantasy tight ends. It's guys like Gronk, Mark Andrews, Hunter Henry, Zach Ertz, and George Kittle. So I think Hernan is probably going to be a week-in, week-out play for me. Uh, he's somebody that you can trust in your traditional leagues as well. But I don't think in DraftKings and FanDuel, the prices have totally called up to him being that type of talent, even though this isn't necessarily a great matchup in Week 2 against the 49ers either. But it is at least at home. And Sam Darnold has averaged 5.0 more fantasy points per game at home than on the road in his career so far. So I think this could be a little bit of a breakout week for Hernan, and I like him as a value. Uh, sticking with the team, Frank Gore, uh, at least for now, I have him as a $1,000 surplus value in both DraftKings and FanDuel at $4,500 and $5,400 respective dollar salaries. Uh, the key here is just workload. Le'Veon Bell landed on injured reserve with a hamstring injury, so he's going to be out for at least three weeks. 
And I don't think rookie LaMichael Perrin is going to be back this week from his ankle injury, but that's something you definitely need to keep an eye on because he was a limited participant in practice on Thursday. And if he comes back, then I'm not going to want to start either Perrin or Gore. I think Perrin long-term could actually be a nice value, and it has a little bit of receiving chops, so it could kind of play a little bit more the full workload like Bell was getting. But if, if both of those players are out, that would leave the Jets with just Gore, Josh Adams, who is really a practice squad player, and then they recently signed Kalen Balledge again after they failed his physical a few weeks ago. So not exactly an inspiring group of guys behind Gore there. And with the assumption that both Perrin uh, and, and Bell are going to miss this week, I'm projecting Gore for 15.3 carries, 17th most at the position. And so I think just workload-based, that makes Gore a little bit of a value, even though you don't necessarily expect him or the Jets to do particularly well this week against the 49ers. A player in a similar situation who actually I'm probably a little bit higher on this week is Benny Snell, running back of the Steelers. I have him at over $1,000 surplus value in both DraftKings and FanDuel. He's really priced as sort of a second running back there, $4,500 in DraftKings, $4,600 in FanDuel. And at least for now, I think he's going to be the number one back for the Steelers. James Conner, you know, he had that kind of ankle injury uh, on Monday night that knocked him out of the game early. And I just assumed that it was going to be a multi-week absence, but now I'm, I'm not totally sure. He actually practiced on Thursday, so maybe he'll play this week. Mike Tomlin has said weird things, like he's going to keep the light on for Connor, and I just don't really know what to make of it. And if Connor plays, then I'm probably going to avoid Snell. Even if Snell gets a workload bump there, I just I don't really know how to unfold it. But if Snell is going to be the guy this week, then I think he's, he's a great value there. He's at home playing against Denver. Not necessarily a great matchup from an efficiency standpoint. In particular, Denver was a top five cutter of rushing touchdowns per carry last season. But they did boost run plays by 6%, which was top 10 in football. So the, the matchup may not be quite as bad as you would expect. And the fact that they're playing at home and that he could have an unquestioned top workload, I think makes him a very big value there. As for the rest of the Steelers, the wide receivers, it's a little bit of a mixed bag here. Juju Smith-Schuster had the great game in week one that eased a lot of the concerns I had for his full season value, but he's being priced like a, a clear top one receiver in a way that I don't think he he necessarily is. I have him kind of close to neutral value, $100 surplus in DraftKings, negative $250 surplus, or I guess a $250 sur, uh, shortfall in FanDuel. I think they may be looking a little bit too hard at the fact that he scored two touchdowns in week one because he had just six targets versus 10 for Deontay Johnson, three for James Washington, and two for Chase Claypool. So I think unlike a guy like, say, DeAndre Hopkins, who's clearly getting the, the lion's share of the team's targets, Smith-Schuster is the number one receiver on a team with three or four capable receivers who are probably going to get a distributed workload. And so as such, I actually think Deontay Johnson is probably the good value here, at least in DraftKings, where I have him as a $1,000 surplus versus his $4,500 price tag. And then James Washington, I still think is pretty good. You know, he didn't dramatically out-touch uh, Chase Claypool in that uh, week one game, but he did have 58% of the offensive snaps versus 30% for Claypool. So playing almost twice as often, it's a little bit more of a deeper play, maybe a tournament play or part of a stack that you could run, but I have him at more than $1,000 surplus in both platforms as well this week. Speaking of stacks, if I'm going to pick one team to stack this week, it's definitely the Dallas Cowboys. That kind of starts with Dak Prescott, who I have as a mild surplus value, $400 in DraftKings, $100 in FanDuel, with $6,800 and $8,300 price tags. But he's playing at home, which is good. He's enjoyed a 2.3 average fantasy point per game boost at home versus on the road over the last three seasons. But more importantly, 
He's facing also against the Falcons defense that just allowed Russell Wilson to easily throw four touchdowns against them in week one. They boost completion percentage by 5%, passing yards per attempt by 9%, and passing touchdowns per attempt by 26%. For quarterbacks, all of those are top eight in football. And frankly, I think you can run with Prescott and all three of his receivers, Amari Cooper, um, Michael Gallup, and C.D. Lamb. I have Cooper as kind of a closer to neutral value, $500 surplus in DraftKings, negative 100 in FanDuel. Um, but with Kendall Sheffield not practicing, they really only have A.J. Terrell and Isaiah Oliver of note at cornerback to guard these guys. That's, I mean, I don't think they're necessarily great enough to guard them one-on-one anyway, but that's too not enough good cornerbacks to guard all three of them, certainly. Um, and so you're kind of working here with the fact that the Falcons boost wide receivers pretty much regardless of role. They're a booster of completion percentage by 14%, yards per target by 11% um, for wide receiver ones uh, like Cooper. They're a booster of completion percentage by 17%, yards per target by 45%, and receiving touchdowns per target by 83% for wide receiver twos like Gallup. And they're also, they also boost uh, completion percentage slot uh, yards per target and touchdowns per target to slot receivers as well. So like a lot of boosting going on here. Cooper is probably the least of those values. Gallup is decent, $600 surplus in both platforms. But I particularly like C.D. Lamb this week. I have him as more than $1,000 surplus in both formats. He's a top 20 wide receiver for me just in in traditional fantasy, but he's only $4,700 and $5,200 in DraftKings and FanDuel this week. So great value there. And really, if you want to save a little bit of money at tight end, I don't hate using Dalton Schultz there either. $500 surplus in DraftKings, $1,100 surplus in FanDuel. He's less than 4000 in each format. And after Blake Jarwin tore his ACL in week one, uh, he's obviously going to be out for the season, but Schultz ended up playing 50 snaps on Sunday Night Football compared to just eight for Blake Bell behind him at the position. So I think Schultz just kind of slots into that role that Blake Jarwin was playing, which is basically the role that Jason Witten was playing last season when he had a decent season. So I think that's going to make Schultz a back-end tight end too in general. And so I think it's going to take a little bit for that to catch up probably in, in DraftKings price-wise. So that's somebody that you can play this week as well. Okay, now just kind of hitting on a few other guys at, at different positions that I like. At quarterback, I'll start with Deshaun Watson. $800 surplus, it's just $6,400 in DraftKings, $700 surplus in FanDuel. Uh, obviously, it's not a great matchup facing off against the Ravens. They uh, cut pass plays by 3%, the most in football. They cut um, completion percentage, passing yards per attempt, passing touchdowns per attempt, and they increase interceptions per attempt, all top 10 in football as well. So you don't love the matchup, but Watson is playing at home where he scored 2.6 more fantasy points per game than on the road over the last three seasons. That's top 10 at the position. And so there's a little bit of a counterbalancing fact there that leaves Watson for me third at the position like he, his true talent ranking would normally be. So I think the fact that his DraftKings and FanDuel prices are a little bit down, probably a little bit of an overreaction maybe to the seemingly bad performance in week one that actually ended up being okay from a fantasy perspective against the Chiefs. Uh, this may be a situation where the Ravens build a lead and Watson has to throw the ball and, and get some garbage time work that way, kind of like he did in week one. That didn't necessarily work for the Texans last year against the team, but more often than not, Watson delivers in that respect, and I'm comfortable starting him this week. Meanwhile, I, I'm pretty optimistic for Will Fuller's chances as well. Um, again, it's a difficult matchup, but Fuller kind of filled in that DeAndre Hopkins role as the clear number one receiver. So since 2015, Hopkins saw 
and 29.0% of the Texans' target share. So basically right around that 30 to 33% range. And then in week one, Will Fuller saw 32.3% of the team's targets. So I think he's clearly the guy ahead of Brandon Cooks and more so than maybe the slot receiver um, that we thought would get a little bit involved there. Uh, Randall Cobb. So I, I think I feel good about Fuller as the wide receiver one for the team. And even though he's going to get stuck with Marlon Humphrey on him, that could lead to enough of a volume to produce in fantasy. I have him as a slight shortfall in DraftKings, but in FanDuel, I have him as a $500 surplus at $6,100. Next up, Paris Campbell. He's probably a little bit better of a play if you're just looking for a random wide receiver to go with. At DraftKings, I have him as a $1,000 surplus at just $4,500 and FanDuel 700 at 5300 He actually led the Colts wide receivers in snaps played, 82% in week one, 80% for T.Y. Hilton, 62% for Zach Pascal, and 53% for the rookie Michael Pittman. And Campbell kind of had that Keenan Allen sort of what I'll call like a slot plus role where he was running a lot of slants and crossing patterns, but also ran some deep looks. And so I think he's actually going to have a pretty productive season this year um, playing that role that Rivers has relied on so heavily in his Chargers days. And at least right now, the the prices haven't caught up to that fact. For Julio, obviously his prices are expensive, $7,400 on DraftKings, $8,200 on FanDuel, but I still don't think they're high enough in particular on DraftKings based on his talent level. Yes, Calvin Ridley scored twice in week one, but Julio hardly did bad with nine catches and 157 yards on his 12 targets. If he did score a touchdown, then he would have been one of the best receivers uh, in fantasy, and I could, I could see that happening this week. Uh, Jonathan Taylor running back for the Colts. Sadly, Marlon Mack tore his AC, uh, I think it might have been his Achilles, actually, and is going to be out for the season. And that is making the rookie Taylor the running back one a little bit sooner than we expected. But the really good news for me is that he had six receptions in week one. That's actually more than 10% of his total in three years at Wisconsin. That was all the concern for me was about whether he was going to be able to catch the ball out of the backfield. And at least through one week, he looked like he could. And that's the only missing piece of the formula. So with that, I feel incredibly optimistic about him going forward. He led the class um, of rookie running backs in his backcast score, a football outsider's projection system that we use for rookie running backs. He actually had historical comps of Saquon Barkley and LaDainian Tomlinson as a runner. So if he's catching the ball too, then that's going to make him an incredible fantasy play. And in DraftKings, I have him as $100 surplus at $5,700. And at FanDuel, where his price has lagged a little bit, I have him as an $800 surplus this week. Definitely get him in your lineups. And then in DraftKings, I think the rookie James Robinson, undrafted rookie for the Jaguars, is a great value. $1,100 surplus at $4,400 price tag. Uh, Not very much respect after Robinson's good week one performance, but Robinson had a 69.6% carry share in week one, which would have been the eighth highest of regular starters in 2019. He is a true bell cow back for that team. And I I mean, I think the Jaguars may be a little bit better offensively than many expected them to be. They certainly were in week one. So I think Robinson's going to probably be a good play for you in, in DFS for a few weeks until people catch on. Just like visually, looking at some of his plays, he looked a lot more athletic than I expected for a guy with a 4.6440. So I think definitely ride him in the short term. And then Malcolm Brown, it's a little bit of a mixed bag for me here. I'm probably optimistic on his success on a per-touch basis, but a little pessimistic on his workload uh, going forward. And to that point, 
He had 1.28 opportunity adjusted rushing touchdowns in week one. That was ninth most in football. And I think he's the clear goal line option for the Rams, which could be very valuable with their offensive line. But he had 21 touches versus 15 for Cam Akers, the rookie running back. Both of them had a good number just because the, the Rams did well and had a lead for a lot of the game. But if that evens out with some of their other performances, like being on the road this week, it could be harder for Brown to find the workload that justifies him being like a top 20 priced running back. And so that creates the mixed bag. In DraftKings, I have him as an $800 shortfall where he's $5,700, but he's less expensive on FanDuel at $5,200. And so I think he's a good start there as a $700 surplus value. And then finally, I'll close it up with a tight end for you. Logan Thomas of the Washington football team. I have him as a, a mild value at $600 surplus on DraftKings and $500 on FanDuel. And the key here is that he led the team with eight targets, led all players, not just tight ends, and no other tight end had a target. Behind them, they have just Jeremy Sprinkle and Marcus Ball, not a very inspiring list. And Thomas himself played 74% of the team's offensive snaps. So he looks like a, you know, a clear tight end one for the team. And that could create some value as like a top tier tight end two for you in fantasy. And at least right now, his prices in DFS aren't accounting for that. Okay, that's going to do it for this week's episodes of the Football Outsiders Fantasy Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review us on your favorite podcast platforms. And then come back Tuesday morning to hear all of our waiver wire thoughts from hopefully an exciting week two of games. I'll plan to talk to you then.